Welcome to Drew's Real Estate Homework. I'm a realtor located out in Denver, Colorado. Um, I work for your Castle Real Estate. That's who I have my license with. And I'm also a project manager for Timeless Custom Homes. Um, essentially, this is just a, they're going to, this is going to be my audio journal of my real estate market research. Um, this is going to be every anything from what I find to well, my brokerage is sending down Juan Welsh, Eric Romero. There's a handful of people who, in my brokerage, send awesome information, talking points, um, trends, impacts, uh, everything. So this is just going to be where I keep all of that and where I go through it. I'll post it to my Facebook page, my real estate pa Facebook page probably, just more or less for my own reference. And so with that, let's dive into the first day, which is just the more or less, um, this is an email was sent out on the long-term real estate trends and the COVID-19 impact. Um, so essentially, diving into the demographics in Colorado right now, before COVID-19, um, we're going to kind of talk about before COVID, where we were, what changes, if any, from COVID. From that, essentially, the population is still growing, but at a slowing rate. So con and concentrated growth on the I-25 corridor. And this is, I mean, this is apparent, especially because um, migration is becoming an issue even pre-COVID. So because of all of that concentration on the I-25 corridor, my, like going up and down, getting to Denver, getting down to Castle Rock is becoming more and more of an issue. On top of that, it seems like there's growth constraints in Lakewood, Golden, Boulder, etc. Um, this essentially means that they're they're tapped out. They kind of have all of the the homes and the areas filled in that they ha they can. So really interested to see what they do there um, in terms of growth. Um, we know that the labor is tight and Colorado isn't as competitive. Another big thing on going into that, I guess, labor is tight and Colorado is not as competitive. Hmm. So labor is tight and Colorado is not as competitive. That's interesting because those two go against each other so I'm gonna have to ask more about that but this is why this is literally homework so labor is tight and Colorado is not as competitive so if anybody else knows what they're trying to say by that let me know um, aging it impacts everything so that's essentially I think that's or that's definitely pertaining to buildings as well as aging population well we're talking about demographics so it's definitely population here um, essentially when they're saying that is when people get older especially 65 plus once they buy homes, they sit on those homes. They do not sell them. It isn't a five to seven year average cycle. It is, you know, the next 30 years until either, or, you know, inevitably they, they pass away or um, they're put into a nursing home or live with a loved one or something like that. So that is why aging impacts everything. Um, and I think we'll get into this um, down lower, but essentially um, Colorado is aging and the folks are not moving and we have a shortage of in inventory. So that's making it even more difficult. Okay. So, and it also is noting that we're increasing diversity in Colorado, which of course is good. Um, in the big picture, 2018 versus 2019, the U.S. had 328 million people. This was up half a percent. Um, that's actually the slowest growth since 1918. World War One and the Spanish flu. So that's, that's notable. <laughs> and before, and that was before COVID. Um, Colorado in specific has 5.75 million people. It's the eighth fastest growing at 1.2%. 
and this year is the slowest growth for Colorado since 2005. And already this year, 67,500 people have moved to Colorado. So that's pretty, that's pretty considerable. Now going into this, we have some graphs on Colorado um, population changes and the components of it. So natural increase, net migration. So essentially what this, what this chart is saying is the natural increase in Colorado is kind of going between, since 1970 to 2018, is going between 20,000, kind of has a peak at around 40,000 in 2004-ish. And then in 2018, it's all the way down back to 20,000. And, okay, so that is notable because then the net migration is accounting for a sub other than 1986 through 1990. Other than those years, more people moved out between 1986 and 1990 than, they, than came in. However, every other year, 1970 through 1985, as well as... 1991 through 2018 so far, the net migration is oftentimes more, substantially more so since around 2006, it looks like. 1990 through 2000, then 2006 through 2018. People are moving here like crazy. So that's essentially just showing that the natural increase in, in population is ranging between 20,000 and 40,000. And the net migration is going anywhere, honestly, from um, 80,000 to 100,000 people. Um, like I said, in most, I mean, there are half of the years in there where it's only 20,000 people. But then there are even more so years where there's, there's more people coming in um, that are moving in than that are being born here in, <clears throat> as residents, naturally. So... Um, a natural increase part of growth is slowing down, so that's that's the point of that. Laws of growth along I-25. Um, Colorado 2018 through 2019 population change, the largest gains in Colorado by county. Um, Denver had, wow, 1.5%, so 11,000 people. Weld County had 3%, around 9,500 people. Douglas County had 8,800 people. El Paso had 8,100 Adams had 6,100, Larimer had 6,000, Rappo had 6,000, Jefferson had 3,000. So essentially what we're seeing there is in the top eight, we're having a, the lowest, po lowest gain is 0.6% at Jefferson County, and the highest is at 1.5%, or no, 2.4% in, in Douglas. But Denver gained the most at nearly 11,000. Fastest percent change. So it looks like... Uh, fastest percent changing counties are Lake County at 3.6%, Weld County at 3.3%, Ure at 2.7%. Ooh, I like Ure. Um, <laughs> I like it. I'm a rock climber, so I like it. Um, Custer, which at 2.7%, and Douglas at 2.4%. So fastest percent change. So Lake, Weld, Ure, Custer, and Douglas are all changing quickly. So some components of the population change through here, we're seeing deaths are increasing as the community ages. This is normal. There's a slowdown in births. That's, that's obvious with aging as well. Um, migration follows the business cycle, as you can expect. 
Um, essentially, all that means is um, as jobs come and go, as schools start, as as there's the summer season, as there's the winter season, there's like in real estate, the busy season is is typically late summer or sorry, 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 late fall or wow, I can't think late spring into early summer. COVID-19 has me all messed up because everything's delayed. Um, so COVID will likely bring down birth rates further. That's something to note. Um, migration follows business cycle, of course. Note that births is a bigger driver of population growth than migration, not people moving here from Texas. Interesting, because that kind of seems like it's going against the the natural graph we were going, we were looking at earlier, where it was saying where I was saying that the natural increase was less significant than the net migration in in a hand, in most cases which seems to be the case but they're saying that natural births is, is the main driver another question i guess um so don't blame the people moving here from texas <laughs> so you need a lot of over 18 year olds so 18 and older um to set up future renter and housing demand in the future Denver and Colorado is still okay, but not as good as Texas. So apparently Texas is a hot spot right now for housing demand in the future due to the aid, the growth and decline in under 18, under age 18 populations. So all that's really saying is that it's just looking at who's up and coming and who has the growth rate. So Texas, for instance, has a growth rate above 4% of those, um, coming up over the age of 18. Colorado's down there at growth below 4%. So um, they're a little bit better than us in terms of that, I guess. Um, 2018 through 2019, cumulative domestic net migration in thousands. Colorado gaining kids and inbound migration. So it's essentially just all this is saying is we have a net gain. Um, Cumulative domestic net migration, net gain. All you need to know there. Net migration by age, a lot of twenty, a lot of twenty-year-old, a lot of mid twenties to mid thirties, lots of those people. From two thousand to two thousand ten, um, we had nearly fourteen thousand. But what is that? Net migration. Colorado gets people to move here between ages twenty-two and thirty-seven. That's true for most states that import people. Okay, so 22 to 37. That seems seems reasonable. Where do these migrants come to Colorado from? Texas, California, Florida, Illinois, and New York. So it actually makes a lot of sense. I see a lot of Texas plates, a lot of California plates. I've been seeing a lot of Florida plates. I have only seen a couple Illinois and a couple New York. So I guess there's more to see there with those folks coming in. Yeah, so there were 27,000 people that came in from California in 2017, 25,000 from Texas, 12,000 from Florida, 10,000 from Illinois, and not 8,500 from New York. And that's quite a few. Um, rounding out the... Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay. What impact from COVID? We tend to historically attract well-educated younger people. COVID might reinforce and accelerate this. Pre-COVID-19, Colorado new jobs and net migration. 
So jobs are people is what this, this graph is saying. And all it's doing is graphing out new jobs with net migration and showing how in Colorado currently the new jobs and net migration are just are, are basically neck and neck. But as 2030, 2035, and 2040 come along, the net migration is going to go above the new job creation. More people equals more people. This is what it says. So we might run into some some jobs. According to this, uh, we'll run into some lack of new jobs created for the people coming in. Um, however, I think that is later, or this is, I, I absolutely know, there's been like a minimum of 10 tech companies who have, who have been announcing that they're coming to Colorado. Um, putting new headquarters down and hiring anywhere between like 20 and 500 people per company. So um, I don't know if I fully agree with with their their chart here of job creation because um, I think that Colorado's job creation is going to go up, but maybe they're just saying that pe more even more people are going to move here. Um, I just can't imagine I-25 that much more crowded, I guess, but Little Silicon Valley uh, starts somewhere. So, um, moving on, Colorado housing unit growth and household formation. Wow, this graph is massive. So, essentially, all this graph is saying is it's not building enough to keep up pace with population growth. This is all of Colorado. So, um, this kind of then is going into the developers, the big big builders who do big track homes and big big uh, communities. They're just not a, they're not building enough right now. There isn't enough. Um, of them happening, going up, pending, um, whatever you want to call it, to to keep up pace with the people that are moving here. Ratio of housing units to households in Colorado. Uh, that doesn't, and that's not really. That I mean, that's showing me something. It's good. Yeah, I I I don't really get what I'm looking at there. What sort of jobs are we adding? Sorry, some of this data is like they try to data is all noise, right? And you try to you try to condense the noise to then get the meaning out of it. And sometimes I look at graphs and I'm like, what meaning are you trying to derive from this? And what are you trying to tell me? And why is it relevant? And why is it important? And I know since it's in this email and stuff, it is just it's <laughs> it, I sometimes can't derive it myself. What sorts of jobs are we adding? So it looks like we're mainly adding, well, well, we're adding a lot of jobs, but health services is at the top up there with professional and tech services. That makes sense because of the whole Silicon Valley thing. Um, by that, I'm just saying that a lot of tech companies are seeming to come to Denver. That's why I'm alluding, it, alluding to it as the little Silicon Valley. Um, accommodation and food, that makes sense. Um, tourist destination and entertainment, and that, I mean, that's a massive part of Colorado. Transportation warehouse, um, we're starting to go down a bit more state government, local government. I'm really interested. Oh, that's the change from 2018 to 2008 to 2019. That makes sense because I was looking at this and it says state government and local government. And it's saying that there are going to be job increases there. And that that would surprise me just because I wouldn't imagine in this current setting that they would be adding officials to especially local government boards with with funding and everything like that, could be wrong, but that's that's my that's my uh, my guess. 
so from there, yeah, we added a lot of jobs everywhere. Um, I guess the places to note are where we didn't add very many, which is um, mining, utilities, and federal government. Um, manufacturing, military, wholesale trade was all low. Interestingly enough, agriculture was low. I guess that's not interesting. Big companies are taking that over. Um, it's also saying the employment changed from 2008 to 2019 by wage low wage is considered 2000 or 23,800 through 45,900 um that's like 33 percent of people mid wage is considered between 50,000 oh yeah 50,373,900 000, which is 47 percent of the folks and high wage is 85,500 to 148,600 which is two twenty percent of the folks. So shows a decent spread there. I mean Yeah. Minimum wage, low wage, not livable. That's that's what I'll tell you. Can't buy a home with that anyway. It's incre incredibly difficult. And so that's something that that is interesting and I like to follow along with and see how we can help that move along. So Colorado lost three hundred and forty two thousand jobs in three months. We gained back 126,000, so we're down 8%. <laughs> In the Great Recession, we lost 4%. Um, so this is showing the severity of this. Um, almost all the jobs lost were low-wage jobs, um, which then in, terms, in turn means renters. Um, likely government government will be losing jobs, less tax revenue coming in. Ha-ha, I, I called it. Gover that's why earlier it would have surprised me if... The local and state governments were adding positions. Um, so where it was getting with the the low-wage jobs and the renters that they're the ones that lost their jobs is that that's why it potentially isn't going to affect, or we're not seeing statistically or in the information that it's going to affect um, mortgages yet. We aren't seeing that it's going to come up with too many or with any really foreclosures or anything um, as of right now just because the the vast majority of people who have been affected thus far have been low-wage jobs. Um, the next graph essentially is is showing me the different generations and how old they are right now um, and how many of them there are. Pretty, pretty all-level um, kind of ages five... Yeah, I mean, the high, the highest is 90,000, and that's in the 30s. Um, in the 20s, you have around 80,000. In the 40s through mid-50s, you have around 70,000. So, yeah, there's actually a kind of nice split um, in Colorado where clearly the vast majority of the population is mid-20s to kind of 50s. Um, that's the bulk of us. Least mobile age group is 65 plus, least likely to move, um, and wonder why housing is sticky, lack of supply. These older folks are not moving. Boom. Called that earlier, too. That makes sense. We went over that. Aging and impacts so that they... Okay, let's go over these. They'll touch on it more in depth. So it's, they spend less on taxable goods, spend savings or wealth, investment declines. That's two. Three, large group of levers from labor, labor force 2020 through 2025. So a lot of people are going to be retiring. 
lower labor force participation with age, of course, lower incomes as become non-earners, of course, primary homeowners and non-movers until 85 plus, puts downward pressure on flows of housing stock. Kind of went over that earlier as well. So going into coronavirus impacts, ooh, we're going to need more divorce experts. I think that's clear. I, there's actually a stunning amount of information coming out about um, about domestic abuse, about suicide rates, about about a lot of a lot of unfortunate things coming around, coming out from the lockdown. So I think that's kind of what they're touching on there. Um, sense of crisis, fewer births per year. Births were slow anyway. This will reinforce that slowness. My brother actually just had a baby, so. Uh, I don't know. Those those lockdown babies might be coming. Who knows? Um, Des will be higher, of course. More in migration from our usual donors. So more people moving in from California, New York, and Florida. More out-migration to lower-cost states. More out-migration to lower-cost states. Yep, that makes sense. So people being like, hey, I can't buy a house in Colorado because everything under $300,000 goes within... 10 minutes for a cash offer, 30000 above asking. So they moved to Kansas. Uh, true story. I've heard that a few times. It's unfortunate, but it happens. Um, rural Colorado could benefit from work from home, need broadband, daycare, and housing. Um, my folks live out in Elizabeth, and I know the rural Colorado pretty decently. There are pretty places out there. Like I could absolutely see um, that being built up and especially with the revelation of working from home and how applicable that can be to most everybody's job. Um, that might be, that might be an awesome solution to, if you can convince the millennials to move out into the country, that's going to be pretty difficult. Okay. Maybe not, but I'll move out there. It just needs to be close to the mountains for me. We have the fifth highest medium home value in U.S., in the U.S. That means we're expensive. Ooh. Colorado has 35,000 to 45,000 new households per year. Sweet. And then, so I kind of wrap this up. Um, sorry, I'm looking at some transportation stuff. So they got a lot of construction done during during the lockdown is all it's really saying. Traffic off 80 to 90% during stay at home. Um, zoning and entitlement, strong market for residential demand. Then recession in 2010 used up the extra lots. Now back, let's get land ready to build. Lasted 78 years. Now COVID. Did a lot of projects go on hold? Yes. One to two projects at a time. So continue to work on them. So yep, it's just showing that um, COVID-19 has put a sticker in you know, has has affected the market considerably as we've shown in a couple different ways here. Sweet. So that kind of wraps up this um, long-term real estate trends and COVID impact for today, which is August 5th, 2020. Um, and I look forward to diving into the next one. Thanks. And I, I need some kind of exit strategy, like, like team Brainiacs, team real estate Brainiacs, but hype myself up myself up we got this all right to the next one let's be pros